0: You know you've got to sing alone. But don't you know from You've got to it up. Don't you know from You've got to, it up. You know, you've got to it up. This is the Cabinet's HR Culture Podcast, hosted by Daniela Young. Join Daniela as she has great conversations with people on the importance of culture and leadership in organizational behavior. You will hear the great, the bad, and the ugly as she talks to a huge variety of guests in different fields. Are you looking for ways to improve your culture? Then this is the podcast for you. You will gain great insights from these great conversations. The Kavnis HR Podcast is brought to you by Kavnis HR. At Kavnis HR, we deliver HR to companies with 49 or fewer people by automating the HR process. We believe that you don't need a full-time HR person to receive full-time HR expertise. Come to CabinetsHR.com to see how HR can take care of your HR so you can focus on building your company and taking care of your customers. Remember to be great every day.
1: Hi, this is the Cabinets HR Culture Podcast, and I'm your host, Daniela Young. Our guest today is Larry Naylor. Are you ready to be great today, Larry?
2: Absolutely. How are you doing, Danielle
1: I'm doing great. Your, name's, your name's a little bit of a tongue twister, so <laughs> that's fun.
2: It happens every now and then.
1: <laughs> Larry is the President and Chief Operations Officer for Naylor 2 Enterprise. N2E is a veteran and minority-owned small business that provides corporate training, development, and administrative management consulting services to U.S. and international organizations. At N2E, he's responsible for the conduct and business operations of global transformative leadership and consulting service initiatives. Earlier in his career, Larry gained extensive leadership experience while serving 20 years as a commissioned officer in the Army, where he retired as a lieutenant colonel. He spent 13 years with L3 Technologies, Inc., a $10 billion company where he was the director of training and operations for global trade and master trainer responsible for for providing leadership training to 38,000 employee infrastructure. So Larry is like super leadership guy. He's probably the most qualified leadership guy we have had on our podcast so far. Um, He's got bachelor's, master's, all kinds of training certificates. Most recently got a coaching certification from Georgetown, I believe. Um, And Larry is very active in several different organizations, including the Society for Human Resource Management, Association of United States Army, and the Society for International Affairs. So Larry, can you tell us something that you are working on these days that is super exciting?
2: Absolutely, Daniela. I would have to say there are several things that are going on right now. But what's most exciting is to be able to work specifically for a law enforcement agency. Um, we are working to put together a lead where well, we already have put together a leadership program. And what that program actually does is it's, it's transforming the department. And to see that happening right in front of your eyes where people from the sheriff all the way down to the sergeant are realizing that there is a better way to do things and to watch them self-transform and to recognize that, wait a minute, I am, I am, I'm different because I see myself now. I'm, this is amazing. And to watch that transformation take place, it's really, really exciting. Not barring the fact that leadership, when you really look at the essence of leadership and when you actually sit people down and talk to them about the importance of it and how you can see the lights come on and the excitement in thinking that I used to think I really knew how to be a leader, but now I'm really learning how to be exactly that, a leader. So that's one of the very exciting things that we're working on now to watch that transformation through that organization.
1: And it's so interesting that, you know, because you mentioned law enforcement and people, I think, tend to think of law enforcement teams, military teams, some of these very high speed organizations as, oh, they're just great teams, right? They're great teams. They have great leaders. They don't need to work on it. But you're saying that they do need to work on it and they are working on it, which is great.
2: Absolutely. I think most organizations realize once someone comes in, and there's a moment of silence, and it allows them to reflect on who they think they are, as opposed to who and what they should be, they do realize that we probably could do some changing here. And especially in the law enforcement organizations, as you can see through the news, things that are going on. And this is the way we've always done it. Well, is it? How's it working out? Um, maybe we should think about looking at another way of Doing things, approaching people, talking to people and and things like that. And I think the military is doing, and of course, I'm a few years removed now, but I'm hearing out there in the winds that the change, the, the, the winds of change are starting to blow where the old school military of, because I said so is changing now to be more encompassing of, of the group and what we need to do. Bottom line is the mission still needs to happen, but just because you, you ask, others, instead of just telling them and commanding them, once you ask them, they will probably follow you with the same zeal, purpose, and commitment because they feel like you love them enough to ask them their opinion and allow them to actually do it. So, I think that's where we're headed.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely interesting. Like <laughs> you said, you know, the bottom line is the mission still needs to happen in in any corporation, right? But a strong culture and a strong team is going to get you to your mission so much faster is, you know, I think what the modern sort of leadership is starting to learn and is starting to realize. And I think in the military for the longest time in the, in sort of the special disciplines, we already knew that. Right. So in intelligence, uh, which is what I did, we knew that like, you know, I can order you know, I mean, how much can I order my guy to analyze and give me the best information? Not much, right? If he's not motivated to do it, he, you know, you can order a bare minimum of outcomes, but you can inspire kind of a lot more, you know, and if you, I learned that if you let the experts live in their expertise, like they will give you so much more information than you even want.
2: Um <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That is absolutely true.
1: Okay, so Larry, you became an officer in the Army the year before I was born. Uh, You retired a few years before I commissioned, which means for the listeners that even though Larry and I are comrades in arms, we both served in pretty different militaries, um, as Larry kind of already alluded to. So Larry, as we heard, is now basically a leadership expert. And he was telling me about some of the changes that he's noticed in the definition and practice of leadership over the years. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Whether that was your time in the military or your time in the corporate sector? So, uh, as you said, Daniela, I started out in 86.
2: And my first assignment was in Germany. And that's the whole Cold War era. I'm a 23 year old kid out of college. And, you know, and I was taught and, and bred to do what needs to be done. Salute the flag, make it happen. And I grew up through that time, um, from the the wall, the Cold War, the wall coming down and then through, uh, Gulf War one and all the way into, um, you know, 9 11. Unfortunately, and deploying into Afghanistan with 101st in the 9/11. So I, I think my career spans a lot of different things in there. I mean, a, a lot in a short amount of time. In that 20 years, we went from Cold War all the way to post 9/11. A lot of stuff in between there. So what I've what I learned as I continue to to uh, mature in the military. Uh, I, w- I grew up in an environment where you just do what you're told to do. You don't necessarily question, you just execute. You do that well, you succeed, and then you go to the next level, and you expect everybody under you to do the same thing, and they execute, and it just works. Um, and I, I, I will say, when I moved from uh, Afghanistan coming into uh, the Department of State, I spent about five years there at State Department. I had just left Afghanistan, and I flew back to, North- to the United States, and there I was and the environment was totally different and uh, the language was different and the actions were different. And I struggled because I didn't understand that there was a transformation that was taking place from the, the military side to coming to the United States Department of State. The leadership styles were different. And then from there I went to um, corporate America and the leadership styles were absolutely different. And I would say that I kind of lived through that to state government, local government, excuse me, to federal government, and then to uh, defense contracting. And I realized that leadership is distinctly different in each one of those areas. But ultimately, today, after I got I had an opportunity to teach leadership, Uh, to, as you said, a 38,000 employee organization. I lived leadership and probably didn't even realize how much you learned and gleaned out of being a a military person over the years, being thrust into it. Um, Today, after understanding and believing that this is my calling now, um, I do see that there are different ways to lead. And I have started to look at the transformational leader the one who, and I know I used the word love earlier, um, if you can't love me, you can't lead me. Now, most people would say, I don't believe in that touchy-feely part of things. Just do what I say. Well, love has a big meaning. Love means, do you love me enough to where, as the leader, would you sacrifice yourself for me? Would the leader sacrifice themselves so others may gain versus sacrificing others so that, they gain. That's one of the, one of the things that I think is really important. And as we get into this new type of leadership, we start to realize that you can't lead the way you used to. We're in an organization. We're in a time where four generations are together and there are four generations worth of fault. And there's all kinds of diversity things that are going on now. And that same square hold leadership is probably not going to fit in the, today's round hole. So I have started to realize that there's a lot of changes that are taking place in leadership. And we're at the cusp of this transformational leadership shift. And it is great to be there. And I have a a lot to offer. And I'm looking forward to hopefully getting in front of even more people and explaining to them and getting them to realize that there is another more effective way to lead people to the things that you want them to accomplish.
1: Now, it's, It's interesting, Larry, that you said people find talking about love and leadership to be touchy-feely. And most people would probably categorize military leadership as not touchy-feely. But the first thing we learn as leaders in the military is what leaders eat last. Yes, Um, And there's actually a great book with that title now um, on leadership. Um, But the whole concept of that is exactly what you said you through eating last you are signaling i am willing to not eat if there's not enough food which means you know going way way back to homo sapiens fighting for food i am willing to die for you we are in modern day 2019 signaling to these people i'm willing to die for you will you let me lead you yes by eating last that's right Um, And that's a very hardcore, not touchy-feely concept.
2: (laughs) You know, it's funny you should say that, Daniela. I use that term a lot uh, when I'm teaching leadership. Leaders eat last. And for some people, it's like, what? I have to eat first because I have nourishment to be able to lead the people. No, it is a sign of sacrifice. It is a sign of devotion to your people. So grasp that. Leaders eat last. So good, good point.
1: And, you know, I think probably for all of us, you mentioned being a, a 23-year-old kid right out of out of the academy, right? Or out of ROTC? Out of
2: our ROTC program, that's correct.
1: And, you know, I had a similar experience, 22-year-old kid out of a commissioning program, and you are obsessed with being the best, right? Like you think you need to outperform everyone else. And how long do you think it took you to realize that Being a leader was not about you, but was about your team.
2: It's funny that you should ask that question because there is a paradigm in there. Back in those days, there was the zero defect army. I mean, you have to be near perfect or you walk on water and you just get wet to the ankle. I mean, you had to be that person. So what it caused is this, do not mess with me, don't touch me because I got to be perfect. So micromanagement was a huge thing. You know, all kinds of things came into play that caused people to be that way. Now that's one end of the of the pendulum. The other end was that people started to realize that in that, in that era, what it caused was people's inability to feel like they could make a mistake or feel like they could allow their people to do things and use their own intuitive uh, nature and ideas. And it created this environment where, you know, you just felt like you couldn't do anything other than got to be perfect. It's got to be spot on and it causes you to grow up in a in an environment and a culture where you struggle with making a mistake or you struggle with the fact that maybe it didn't go as well as you thought it was because the way I was trained was you must be right and it has to be perfect. The zero defect mentality came into it. I hope I answered some of your question there.
1: No, you did, um, and you know you're you're speaking to my heart because there's so much danger in the zero defect environment. And by the way, it's still a zero defect environment for women in the military um, and in a, in a lot of other industries, of course. Amazing. Um, but I am very glad to hear that you know these great leaders like you and leadership trainers are thinking about you know how how is this zero defect and how is even just saying you have to prove yourself actually part of a bigger problem
2: <laughs> you know once again um well, we're teaching an, uh, an organization the, the uh, law enforcement organization actually we're teaching a segment here in a few days called women in leadership and um, I am starting to realize even more as a black man. You know, I used to feel like, you know, I've got to do 110% just to kind of be equal with everybody else. Um, in that zero defect culture and mentality, which caused you to become very rigid and inflexible. And then now I'm thinking about what it must feel like sometimes in, in a workplace environment as a woman who is intelligent, who is, absolutely capable of doing even more than many others. And I wonder if they have that same feeling that I have that I really can't explain and articulate, but I just have it. So I, I, I'm glad that you brought that up. It, and I can't imagine what that feels like.
1: I think I can articulate it for you. <laughs> uh, so when you are a member, this is of course my, my personal belief, when you are a member of a minority group, of which women are still considered one, um, you represent that entire group in a way that a member of the majority doesn't. So, for example, when you, Larry, as a man in the military, messed up, did something wrong, made a mistake, you were, Larry, the soldier, making a mistake. When If I mess up and make a mistake, this is why women shouldn't be in the military. Right. So, so yeah. Daniela Young had to carry the weight of representing all females on her shoulder in the military because we're such a minority there. Um, and I, you've probably had this experience as, you know, a black man in, in corporate America or somewhere else that you uh, represent all African-American people That's right. in, in all of your actions. And that yeah. is far too heavy of a burden for any of us to carry.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and also with that, because it is absolutely true, where you feel like you are representing, as as a leader, you're representing uh, the greater organization or people. So everything you do is going to maybe impression others that are watching to have a perception of everybody that's like you that follows. So what it causes is it causes you to feel like you have to ensure that you present yourself the best at all times, which actually comes back to, you know, a part of that thing that works within you as as a leader where you feel that that has to be the case and you're constantly, you know, making sure you push yourself to do that because you're, you are representing something much bigger than you.
1: So Yeah, one of my biggest leadership lessons was you know I thought I had to be perfect all the time and I generally was or tried to be and then one day we had to go play volleyball and I am quite athletic but I fall on my face playing volleyball like (laughs) on my face in the sand it is not pretty and my soldiers loved loved it they loved it (laughs) And I have this complete epiphany that, oh my God, like by making myself perfect, I am not connecting. I am not humanizing myself, and so how am I going to lead them? Because they know they're not perfect. They need to see their leader also not being perfect. Um, and I feel like when you realize that, then you know that's something you can put into practice in your workplace. You can say, "Hey, you know, every month we're going to do something that, you know none of us are good at yet and we're all going to figure it out together.
2: You know, that's one of the things that I try to impress upon, you know, people, leaders, is the fact that transparency is okay. And it is okay to be human. And your people will appreciate the fact that you show yourself such as that and human is that. And you're fallible and you don't know everything. That's why I need you. I need each and every one of you because I can't do it by myself. And you have the wherewithal and the ability. So when you fall in the sand and do the face plant, I could imagine as you were saying that, you know, they probably realized, ah ha, -ha, you know, wow, the you know, the officer just did a face plant and oh, that's it kind of breaks the perfect persona that was kind of portrayed out there. And also they probably realized that, hey, it's okay she, Especially if you were able to, you know, play that off and work yourself through it and show that, hey, guys, ladies, I'm here. That's right. Let's play some more volleyball. And they were like, that's my kind of leader.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, and also, and I'd be interested to get your opinion on this. You know, when you allow people to see holes that you have or places where you're not perfect, well, Other people might have skills in those areas that are on your team that have a specific skill in that area that you wouldn't have known about. So, yes,
2: there are five principles that I kind of adhere to uh, when I'm doing training. Empathy, esteem, support, share and involve. I used involve not last but not least. Most of the time, leaders will give someone responsibility to do something, but because they zero defect mentality or they feel like it can't be done as well as if I, were, if I were not doing it, they tend to remove the responsibility to the individual because, okay, if they turn in a 50% solution, you're like, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll work on it from here. Most of your subordinates realize that that's what you do. So they only do half anyway, because they know you're going to take it and do it. But if you can figure out a way to involve your people to where they take that as their own and they actually feel great doing it, that's what makes the difference. Um, and a lot of times, leaders do not realize that you cannot function. These people are the wind beneath your wings. They are the literal air that you breathe So if you do not empower them and give them and involve them in the opportunities to do great things without removing the responsibility, allow them to do it. And if it's not done to exactly what your standard is based on your perception of what right looks like, it's okay. As long as it's ethical, legal, moral, and safe. Because what's going to happen, it's going to snowball. It's going to pay bigger dividends down the road because the people believe that you believe enough in them and you involve them enough and trust them enough to do the job. So they actually start to cloak it on them and they wear that. And then you succeed and you're catapulted even further by them.
1: And this won't surprise any of our listeners, Larry, but I believe you call what you teach about leadership wholehearted leadership. Is that right?
2: You could say that. That's right. That's right. I like That's, that. And I
1: love it. I saw it from you. I heard you say it earlier and I wrote it down because I like it. So that came from you. Yes. Um, Thank you. Uh, Larry talks so much about leadership, about wholehearted leadership, about leading with love, um, and even about building, right? Uh, like some of those five points, I would imagine, like building muscle memory into yes. how you think of of leadership.
2: Yes, that's correct, Daniela.
1: Um, Okay, Larry, we're going to have to wrap up soon. Unfortunately. I know, this is So fun, we could go forever. (laughs) We'll have to have you back on in the future. I would love Um, it, thank you. So Larry, are you providing a gift or a discount for listeners today?
2: Yes, I am, as a matter of fact. Um, I would love to, for anyone that kind of uh, uh, reaches out to us, and lets us know that they're looking for an opportunity to receive some awesome transformational leadership uh, initiatives in their organization to change maybe where they may be stagnant or to make them even better than what they are now. If they uh, contact us and let us know that they heard this in relation to this podcast, we are going to provide discounts to them for that.
1: Perfect. And what's the way to contact you, Larry?
2: So the best way to contact us is, if you would, you can go to our website. It's www.Naylor2Enterprise.com, or you can actually look me up on uh, LinkedIn, Um, Larry Naylor. I'm out there, Um, and you can actually see a lot of the information that we have. But if you go to our website, you can see some of our uh, capabilities uh, in leadership and in coaching, as well as international and global trade compliance and things like that. We'd love to come and talk to your people. We love what we do. We're passionate about it because it makes a greater, greater America, greater culture, greater, uh, world that we're living in. So we're so forward, to, we're looking forward to doing those types of things.
1: Perfect. And all of the links and how to get in contact with Larry will be on our show notes, which are found at www.cavenishrblog.com. Okay, Larry, 20 seconds. What's one piece of advice for our listeners? Okay,
2: 20 seconds. One piece of advice for our listeners. Leading is an art form. Leadership is a gift. But the ability to portray that so that your people will follow is where the magic actually happens. So I would empower all of the leaders who are out there, and it goes back to the beginning of what I said, leadership is loving your people, sacrificing yourself so that others may gain. And then in the end, you will realize that that was what you were set out to do from the very beginning. Leaders lead from the front and leaders eat last.
1: Wonderful. Larry, thank you so much for sharing so much value on our show today. Can't wait to have you back on. And thank you to all of our listeners. Remember to be great every day.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Kavniss HR Culture Podcast. Be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and TikTok at Kavniss HR. Also, check out our weekly live streams at the Kavnis HR Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Periscope, where we focus each week on an HR topic important for small business. These are every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and last around three minutes. To join our weekly HR email newsletter list, send us an email to jasonkavnis at kavnishr.com. Thank you and remember to be great every day.